Hello, everybody. Welcome to the American Pale Males podcast. I am one of your hosts, Michael, and with me is the sultry sounds of my other co-host. In a world gone mad, <laughs> this Halloween, you will be experiencing a world of terror from the producers of Assault on Precinct 13. I give you. It's me. It's your co-host, Jeremy. Michael, how are you? My voice is kind of gone. Yeah, you got a nice little uh, <laughs> uh, um, overtones there. Molto basso. I don't know if that's yeah. a thing. I, I really don't know if that's a thing. It's just some words I'm saying. <laughs> Jeremy, why don't you go into it? I, I just got back from Riot Fest, Michael. Uh, ye old annual is... three-day music yeah. festival out in Chicago there. with Stayed with cousin of the show and... Uh, Let's see, what's the word? Cousin-in-law of the show? I don't know. Uh-huh. I don't remember these things. Oh, yeah, what would that be? I think it's cousin-in-law. I really should know this. My job kind of depends on it. <laughs> but uh, uh, I I first felt like I was losing my voice on uh, early Saturday morning after I watched Fishbone's Immaculate set. And then uh, I really felt it going during Danzig performing all of Danzig 3, How the Gods Kill, which was sweet. I knew for sure it was gone when the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones came on on Sunday. Did they bring out a big piece of wood and knock on it? No, but uh, when they... So they played that entire album because it's 20 years old this year. Oh. If you want to feel old. Oh, jeez, yeah. So that they played the album in order, which, you know, not all bands do. I kind of prefer it when they don't play it in order, just so there's a little bit of surprises, like, what's coming next? Yeah. Uh, Fishbone did that with their 1988 album, Truth and Soul, that they played. Mm-hmm. One of the things at Riot Fest is they uh, they get one of their favorites to play an album all the way through. And they usually do it around, like, anniversary, like, 10, 20, or in some cases, 30-year anniversaries. Cool. But they did that with those this year. I think Danzig 3 is 25 years old. I could be wrong. But in any case, the Boss Tones are our favorites of that of that uh, sect of music fans. So where if it was like a, like a radio festival circa 1997, it would have like a big, you know, enthusiastic crowd. But here it's people that know like the old stuff. They know the new stuff. They know the big stuff. The pit during the impression that I get was wider than the stage. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it it was like an easy 30 yards wide. It was one of the crazier things I saw all weekend outside of Guar and Andrew WK and, you know. Oh, boy, a lot of your faves. Oh, this well, Guar and Andrew WK have played every year of the outside Riot Fests. Okay. Oh, is it? these are like uh, little sub-concerts? Satellite concerts? So it's got one, two, five stages. There's mm-hmm. two main stages. It's like side by side, and they're divided by like a big metal divider so that, you know, it doesn't get like a big, the big sway motion going on in giant crowds that is super dangerous and lame. Um, <laughs> and then farther back and split off, there's another two stages. They're far enough and pointing in different directions so you don't get sound bleed. And then there's like a, a small stage way off to the side. And the small stages where they would have like the local bands, uh, the ones that would play Gabe's in Iowa City if they would come through. We'll put it that way. Okay. But r- what they've done in the past with Guar and Andrew WK is kind of stuck them on the main stage. 
which is good because more people are watching them, but it's super early in the day, everyone's sober, and you have all these people who are just there to like put a blanket down and watch the show and don't really care about much of everything. But this year, they had Guar and Andrew WK back-to-back on the small stage closing it down. And oh. Yeah, so uh, at first I was a little irritated by this because, you know, had there been a, a headliner on the big stage I wanted to see really badly, it would have sucked. But as luck would have it, I don't really care about Jawbreaker, much to the consternation of people that may hear this. I don't know. Okay. But I didn't watch any Jawbreaker, and I just kind of hung out at the small stage for the last three bands. And uh, Well, you get a real intimate performance. You, then, you do you? get a real intimate performance. And the other thing that I hadn't counted on is that you don't accidentally wander across the uh, the small stage. So oh, I see. All yeah. the thousand or so people that were there in front of that stage as opposed to the eh, 15, 20,000 that were watching Jawbreaker and whoever Paramore, whoever else was playing at that time, they're all there like specifically to see Guar and Andrew WK. And my God, it turned into a war zone. A literal bloodbath. Yes, actually. they uh, Fake bloodbath. Uh, I, I have a side story regarding that once I finish okay. this one. But, uh, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so literal that Guar closed with a cover of ACDC's If You Want Blood, You've Got It. Okay. And it was awesome. Like, And then they just... At those points, they bring out all of their blood spraying implements and just hose the entire crowd down. And uh, I caught it from the bile driver, which is their giant, like, essentially it's a giant water cannon with, like, a ton of pressure behind it. Side note, after Guar got done, I took a look at myself on my phone, and I, I didn't have a ton of goo on me. And then uh, I was just like, oh, okay, this won't make it too weird on the up. Uh, the train ride home. And yeah. so I get on the, you know, Guar plays, Andrew WK plays. It's great. I'm, I had one of the better days that I've had at Riot Fest in a real long time. It's awesome. I'm ecstatic. I'm beaten senseless. I'm just ready to go home and get a burrito and go to sleep. <laughs> and uh, I sit on the train and these pink lines get really crowded because, you know, there's a ton of people coming back from the festival all at one point towards downtown. And a whole bunch of people were just staring at me while I'm sitting on this train, and, it, and I'm like, hmm, <laughs> didn't think I had that much uh, guar blood on me, but then I was like, ah, they're just weird, they're just, because I was wearing a, a certain uh, shirt that featured our fearless leader on it, Michael, have I shown you that shirt? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I I, yeah, I was wearing that one, and I assumed it was that shirt, um, but then when I got back to uh, where I was staying, I realized, so I was like, oh, yeah. You get that crap in your hair too, and then when you sweat, it melts down on your face. So you were just—I like... I looked like an Urukai. <laughs> it was pretty bad. I wish I, I should have taken a picture of it, but I was tired, and my phone was charging. <laughs> but all in all, it was a great—a uh, great weekend. Even if I am sounding like Robert Goulet constantly, <laughs> you know, in my mind, I sound like Robert Goulet. Yeah. Um, How did your weekend go, Michael? Did you have any beers to brag about? I had a little beer from an outfit in Iowa City. You creep. Called Brew Hoo Hoo. You did. Okay, I saw this. <laughs> yeah. So I was at friend of the show Steve's, Crazy Neighbor Steve's place oh, yeah. this weekend. Wacky Neighbor Steve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, 
yeah, I we busted out some of the Brewhoo-Hoo Reserve. There's um, a lot of that down there. <laughs> he did show that to me. He's like, yeah, we should probably drink this at some and point. So I had, I want to make sure, it's, what is it, coffee whiskey? Coffee and whiskey. Coffee and whiskey, yes. Named uh, for the song by the band Mumfords, which is uh, one of my favorites. Okay. Let me make sure I'm getting the details right. This is kind of an easy beer break, because if I get something wrong, you can just correct me. Well, I can try it. So you guys, you made the beer, mm-hmm. and then you fermented it with oak chips? So what, Or hickory chips soaked in bourbon? So what we did is we did a batch of a porter that we yes, hit, and you that we split, we it, right? split it and one batch used uh some Mexican vanilla extract that had come from a coworker of mine that went to Mexico. Mm-hmm. It was really old and uh Mexican vanilla extract is super super intense and doesn't really taste like vanilla. So it it was kind of weird but it's 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 not what I expected but for the the coffee and whiskey mm-hmm. we took the porter and uh when we brewed the beer we dumped about and I don't remember how much we wrote it down somewhere, but we dumped a a small handful of oak chips into a measuring cup and we covered it with Jack Daniels, and we let that mm-hmm. soak for about two weeks. And then when we put the beer into secondary, we threw the chips in with it. Ah, so was the uh, were the oak chips just soaking out to open air then? I I think so. Yeah. No, I I think that would be a good thing because you get some of the harsher. Sure. You get some of the boozier out of factors out of it, but I'm I'm pretty yeah. sure that's what we did. I think we just put it in like a like an eight ounce measuring cup or something like that, and uh, put whiskey over it until it was covered. Yeah, so so it was good. I liked it a lot, and actually that one is um, a lot better than the other one. I didn't have the other one. Yeah, that's okay. That's we okay. figured we'd pass. That's okay. Um, Wieners. <laughs> but this is one of two beers that is making me excited for. I'm assuming it's going to be the season finale beer that we're going to have. Oh, yeah. We should do that as the season finale. That's right. We should. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. But historically, I have always been leery of whiskey-infused bourbon, any sort of barrel-aged, bourbon Mm -hmm. barrel-aged kind of thing. Um, But this was your beer, was one of two beers I had this weekend that uh, I might be changing my mind. Really? Because this one, it had the, like... The way whiskey smells, mm-hmm. which to me is really good, yep. it had that taste mm-hmm. rather than the fire water taste that I frequently associate with fire water. whiskeys. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah. That's racist. I don't know if that's racist, but uh, like literally the burning sensation and it, yeah. Yeah. Now they call it fire water, <laughs> Michael. Oh, they. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> People of all ethnicities, creeds, and uh, genders. <laughs> That's right. Michael. If they so choose. So, yeah, I guess in the past, I've j- maybe I've just had some duds in the past really? that really turned me off to these. But, again, this one, and I think I'll save the next one for next week. That's cool. it kind of deserves its own um, platform. And it will also lead up to the season finale it, it, beer. It will. I think uh, what makes that one work is, A, I made it. <laughs> and oh of course and b a lot of those barrel aged ones are imperial stouts or imperial porters and so they're really really thick and sweet but a good one that i can tell you about is uh so i'll, I'll go into my beer brag or at least one of okay. them anyways i have two okay is okay chicago is home to very uh, excellent beer 
and I went to the Beer Temple with Cousin of the Show, which is a uh, fantastic little bottle shop. It's It's got everything. It, it's just got anything you would want. And I had uh, Hunter Coffee, double milk stout with coffee added. Ooh. Um, it's from where in the, it's from 18th Street Brewing, I believe, which is and I really should have done this prepared for this better. 18th Street Brewery in Hammond, Indiana, which, if I'm not mistaken, is right across the border from Chicago. Gotcha. It's got a little bit of lactose in it. Uh, I mean, it's a milk stout. Uh, it's a stout brewed with lactose, sugar, and cocoa nibs. The double milk stout with coffee added. And it, it basically just tastes like, you know, a really strong coffee stout with milk and sh- cream and sugar in it, basically. And it's hmm. fantastic. This could have easily gone wrong, though, if they would have, like, botched the lactose or cocoa nibs or something like that and just made it too sweet. But to bring it back to the original point, because ours is only a single porter and not like a double or an imperial or anything mm-hmm. like that, I feel that it, it's... Uh, it's not as cloying on the tongue. Yeah, it's very even-handed and good. Um, I'm glad you liked it. Easy, easy to drink. Yeah. Your other brag. My second, more important brag that I had planned on. So the Beer Temple in Chicago recently renovated a little bit. They used to be in this small-ish shop right across the alley from where it's at now, but they've added a tap room, ah. which is excellent. It's a big combination of like stuff that you can't get anywhere, like old speckled hen. Or anywhere, anywhere in Iowa or, you know, surrounding areas. Just not normal yeah. ones. The most normal one they had on tap was Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, but it had been brewed like a week and a half beforehand, so it was like super fresh. Um, and they had a lot of, you know, like old speckled hen, things like that that you're not necessarily going to find on tap. But the one I'm going to talk about is brewed at Overshore's Brewing Company in Stockholm, Sweden. Ooh. International. The only kegs in the Northeast. It's it's a very rare one that you can't really find, and it's called Omnipoyo Hilma Vanilla Burger Fries Imperial IPA. Ooh, vanilla Burger Fries. You heard me. Um, okay. So the description that I, I have is a Vanilla Burger Bun Crispy Fries Imperial India Pale Ale. Now, it's v- it does not taste like burgers and fries. Okay, okay. That I, I don't that exactly way, yeah. know why they call it that. It's an Imperial IPA that's incredibly fruity and incredibly well-based. It's got an incredible malt backbone. But what's really weird is that there is a natural vanilla flavor at the end. Oh. So you'll you'll take a drink of it, and you're like, oh, this is a, a big, burly, fruity IPA, and yada, yada, yada. And then you're like, oh, wait... There's vanilla. Oh, that's that's a nice way to finish off an IPA. It's it's weird. I had never had that before like that. Kind of be have, refreshing, yeah. It's, well... Not refreshing, maybe, but soothing? It's it's weird. Uh, cousin of the show is the one who had, uh, had ordered it and demanded I take a swig out of that. And he says, make sure that you get a, uh, a big pull of it so that you get the, uh, so that you get the vanilla. And I'm like, all right, can do. And... I'll be fit didn't have, you know, a nice, van- like, just, like, vanilla ice cream backbone. So it was almost like having vanilla ice cream with f- with uh, some sort of citrus fruit, like a, hmm. 
like sort of like a like a dream pop or a creamsicle. Oh, okay. But with it, it wasn't orange flavored. But you know, that's the closest. Right. I can get to it. Sure, sure, sure. But uh, huh. it was it was staggeringly good, and I kind of wish it wasn't Swedish and not available stateside. Right. Yeah. Oh, that'd be really cool to try. Huh. It was very good. Highly recommended. Four point five out of five for me. Nice. Yeah. Michael, I hear we have a uh, we have things to talk about from people. Yeah, we had a last minute entry in the American Pale Mail Mail Pail, and it was just in time because I was trying to look up some extra hashtag content for today's episode. Michelle sent this article in just as I was looking at it, I'm like, oh, this would be the perfect thing to talk about. Let's see what Jeremy thinks. Um, mm-hmm. So. Michelle sent in an article from NPR. Good, good start. Rise of the Beer Bots. Is tech taking the craft out of home brewing? Probably. <laughs> I, this, I mean, it's taking the, the everything out of everything, but yeah, probably. Yeah, well, Continue. Yeah. Uh, this is a Alistar Bland, article by Alistar Bland. That sounds like a bad beard label. <laughs> so this is about those kind of kitchen top automatic brewing machines. I don't know if you've ever heard of those. I remember hearing about them a few years ago with a Kickstarter, and I've guess since then multiple brands are out there and um they're becoming more accessible. Um I've not, not heard of these. Oh, really? So, it's no. much like kind of maybe I mean they come in various sizes, but the smaller ones come maybe the size of like a larger microwave oven. Um it could sit okay. on a countertop. And basically, you put the ingredients in. I presume you add water or mm-hmm. maybe it's hooked up to a water thing. And then you push a button and then you wait. And uh, two weeks later, you have beer. Two weeks? Well, or however long the recipe calls for. Mm. So they go in and this article has a, it's a nice little winding path because they kind of swing the pendulum back and forth between this is cool and this is a fad kind of deal so it hmm. starts out by saying uh they you know food writer emma christensen who has written books about brewing beer they say she was amused and mystified by this innovation automated countertop brewing system sometimes called beer bots and uh so obviously um it requires minimal skill quote you throw the ingredients into a box and it becomes beer she doesn't really see the appeal of this she'd rather go to the store and just buy a really a uh, good six-pack of craft beer um, mm-hmm. because there's no, like, you're not doing the work with this. You're not getting the full experience. Well, of course. So you push a button, walk away for a week or two, and come back and pour yourself a beer. Hmm. Now, the co-founder of Pico Brew, which is one of these brands, says that his mission is to minimize the manual labor that's unrelated to the art and science of brewing. And hmm. if he's, it's not like you're reconstituting dried beer. Yeah. The brewing systems moderate temperature. They automatically sterilize everything. So these kind of technical steps that are air prone, more or less, it tries to eliminate those and automate them for you. <sighs> now swinging the pendulum back the other way, Jeremy Marshall, a brewmaster at Lagunitas, good name, <laughs> said he would <laughs> he would never hire a new brewer whose only experience is making beer with a beer bot. Um, well, yeah, of course you wouldn't. Right. But, you know, just to contrast that, he has actually hired several assistant brewers who 
only experience was home brewing. Well, well, yeah. I mean, there's that's there's a difference there. Definitely a very big difference there. But just you know, he will hire people with just home brewing experience. But obviously, this cuts out a few important steps that would be necessary to run a brewery. Yeah, like figuring out how to do everything. Right. Look at this though. Okay. Marshall uses a beer bot himself in Lagunitas fermentation lab. And they use it to make test batches of beer with experimental grains. So he believes it's useful as a kind of in the long term as a research tool for professional brewers. But um, I guess he did not see the value in home brewing, or at least he doesn't think it's true brewing and wouldn't hire anybody who uses these things. Hmm. They cut down the brewing time to two to three hours versus... You know, potentially you can spend a long time, yeah, (laughs) brewing a beer. You know, that's an advantage, but a disadvantage of them is, you know, when you brew a batch of beer, you're getting five gallons, about 19 liters, um, whereas these smaller, lower-end ones only do like five liters of beer, just above a gallon. Aww. The other side is, so if you want to get a home-brewing kit, you know, you're looking at $200 $200 or so, depending on how elaborate you want to get. Um, but the most affordable, I guess, or cheapest, beer bot is $549 right now. Holy crap. Um, you can go up even further. Like the brewery system is $2,200, but that makes 20 Jesus. liters. And the Williams Warren Brewmaster is $7,000, making 23 <sighs> liters at a time. So, uh. yeah, these are pricey. Um, and you're paying a lot to save yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Going back to Christensen, Emma Christensen, she believes that, you know, the price is obviously going to have to come down before these become any more common. Mm-hmm. She thinks that they're either, they're at the precipice of kind of becoming a mainstream appliance or just kind of failing altogether as a concept. So, and price has a lot to do with that. I kind of hope it fails altogether as a concept. Um, yeah, that's where I wanted to get your take. So, so I'm I'm going with the I hope it fails and fails horribly because it's and I, I don't mean this as like just you know snooty. It has to be my way or mid. Yeah. It's it's part of the fun. Is I mean like if you just want beer, then go buy beer. Yeah, that's the thing that you know I like was kind the, of yeah and thinking this would kind of be a cool thing. But then I thought, at least at that price point, I'd no. rather take that money and just go out and buy beer with that. If it, w- if it was like a, a $20 Walmart impulse buy, like one of those, you can brew beer at home too, little like one gallon kit thingies that they sell, then like, sure, go for it, whatever. It's 20 bucks. But the fact that it like, I mean, the automation is not the problem. Right. The problem is that you don't get any... You can't fine-tune things. Right. Presumably. I, I've i only now heard of these things. Well, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how much... Yeah, that's the other thing, too. I, I guess I don't know enough about them. Like, how much settings can you go into? Can you have it slowly meet out the hops over sure. the batch? Or is it just going to be like, hops dumping now? Dump. <laughs> dump. Yeah. So, I guess, yeah, it might depend on... I'm, and I'm assuming the more finesse you want, the more money you have to pay as well. Of course. So, yeah, until these become cheaper, and the, and assuming that cheapness also brings 
options for control yeah might not be the best i mean i mean but then again i (sighs) it would be fun to like do like little crazy things with them though you know what i mean but i mean we can do that with like a a jug of apple juice (laughs) and uh a mostly empty bottle of some belgian beer like you don't need this thing to do something crazy with beer that's true that's true you can brew in a growler i've done it (laughs) like you do it it can be that's true yeah it's <laughs> so, like this is not it's this is not difficult things to to do man kind of work like, around yeah. yeah that's a good point that's a good point you can do small scale and sure. it doesn't take very long to do something no. like that either you can do stovetop and yeah yeah good point mm. good point if I'm you're going to do small right. scale <laughs> you can you can manage on your own with a few little tricks up your sleeve Mm-hmm. Excellent conclusion, but a good article. Check it out. Yeah, I agree. Um, there's a lot more flavor text in there and more details about them. But um, going to Flavor Town. These <laughs> these are these are out there. Jeremy, speaking of going to Flavor Town. Yes. Should we do the FDR? Michael, I think we should. I think it's about time. Yes. What do we got this week? We have the FDR, where we find a beer, drink a beer, and rate a beer. This beer from Chicago. Good timing. Chicago, yeah. Is Jungle Boogie. (laughs) Thank you. As you phonetically spelt out in the email that you sent to me. That's right. Uh, Jungle Boogie Pale Wheat Ale with Ruibos Tea. Is it Ruibos or Roibos? I've always said Ruibos. You do live in Wisconsin. (laughs) So I'll I'll allow it. I'm sure we say like, I don't know. Sausage. Oh, crap. Okay. Um, Friggin' bears. I can't. Packers. I don't know. Do you know who procured this? Was this it, is cousin of the show. That's what I figured. Because it looks like it's kind of a smaller um, Mars Community Brewing, thirty-six thirty South Iron Street, Chicago, Illinois. Chicago. Yeah. Chicago. Mars Community. Oh crap! Oh crap! Um, oh crap! And so yeah, I looked them up. It seems like a collaboration between people who enjoy beer and they're just kind of getting together to do some of these smaller batches. Cool. I'm glad you did some work because I did. <laughs> Artisanal focused. Yeah. And you can kind of tell this can is the label. It's got the sticker on. label. It's like a huge sticker label. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to read the flavor text on the can, Jeremy? I can. Malt and tea focused specialty ale that borrows from many styles. Tea and mosaic hop fruit aromas jump from the glass. What's Jungle Boogie to you? So, Michael, have you ever had a beer with tea in it? Well, no. Um, side really? note. In, oh, spoilers. The, yeah, yeah. yeah. In the yeah. next next season, we will have a vaunted beer with, um, I don't know I if think, it's vaunted or not, but it's. I think I've had that one. Okay. Um, but it's it's very good if it's what I'm thinking of. Okay. But no, I've not. The closest I've come was with Rosa from Revolution, mm. which had uh, hibiscus, hibiscus, which is a common herbal tea ingredient. Yeah, I was uh, I was just at Revolution a couple days ago. Nice. Yeah, I had up in Atenum, <laughs> oh, yeah. which I got specifically for the name. Up in uh, Atenum. What kind of beer is that? Or is that going to spoil? It, it's a pa- it's a pale ale with Atenum hops in it. Ah, that makes sense. Um, so from the Mars Brewing website, a little snippet here, uh, American wheat beer with just enough complex malt character to balance out the mosaic hops and fruity rubos tea flavors. Hmm. On the can, it says 5.5%, 12 fluid ounces. Jeremy, do you like rubos tea? 
I do. Uh, actually, one of my favorite teas at local coffee house, the Java House, is their red rooibos tea. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's rooibos. I don't know. No, you could be right. I have no idea. I literally don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to figure this out. It is rooibos. Oh, boy. Why is that extra O doing in there? It's That makes the oi. Okay. Rooibos. So, um, yeah, I like it too. And I'm hoping, like, it has a nice uh, woody characteristic to it. And I'm wondering if that's going to come across in this beer. So that's what I'm going to be looking out for. Also, the color. Oh. I'm curious about that too. Is it going to be yeah. red? I don't know. I don't know. Should we go find out right now? I think we should, Michael. Let's Let's find out. Opening the can, which is adorned with, I'm assuming that's a rooibos plant or something on there. Some sort Fla- of flower. I mean, I, I think it's a flower. Um, Let's find out. Oosh, just spilled a little. It's an unusual color. Yeah, it's kind of a lighter copper color. Hazy. Yeah. I am pouring this badly. Oh, I can, it's about a foot and a half away from my nose and I can smell the, um, I'm assuming hop aroma, but it almost might be a... Wow, that's interesting. A really citrusy aroma. Hmm. It is a really citrusy aroma. Michael, how about you go in? All right, I guess I'll go in. Oh, thick head, too. I got about a... Yeah, I've I've got about three fingers going yeah. on here. First, I thought it was just a terrible pour, but I guess it's a, a, a function of the beer. Or a factor. I don't know. It's Michael, I've had a long weekend. <laughs> The end is in sight, Jeremy. You go ahead. Um, All right, you talk. I'm going to drink. Yeah, that is really interesting. Starts off like a regular beer, and then it kind of goes into wild places. Oh, yeah, it does. The aftertaste, I think I'm getting the rooibos. It is rooibos, yeah. Kind of like a red berry fruit. Yeah, yeah. And I think. But it also has a little bit of that tea astringency, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word. And like the hops, the hops are there too, and they but they kind of meld together with the tea, and they're they do yes. It's so they kind of overlap a little bit in their bitterness, and oh, it's really interestingly bizarre, um, in a good way. Mm-hmm. I agree. The malt is uh, is perfect. I feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not it's, interfering it's, or it's just what it needs to be. It's. I mean, obviously, the start here is the tea and the mosaic, but you ha- I mean, as we've found out time and time again, you've got to have malt to hang those hops on. Yeah. God, I like that finish. Like, it's, it seems it's like it's going to really finish good. like a, a normal pale ale, then, like... And then you get it, fruit! Yeah, it lingers. It keeps lingering, and then you get the fruity tea flavors. Michael, are you a fan of fruity teas? Um, yeah. I think typically I'll go for straight up, like green or i mean if if it's a fruit with green tea mm-hmm. i'll like it if it's like a straight up herby fruit one usually not that's Unless i just need something warm to drink because i have a cold or something mm-hmm. and i don't want a bunch of caffeine that's fair i have a raspberry tea raspberry zinger it is raspberry zinger it's delicious those are that's good a- i mean they're good that's a me perfect wrong. one to have when you're like, like eh, I, I need something hot to drink, but I don't want to be up until uh, <laughs> later. Right. I rather enjoy that one. Uh, but, you know, this is making me rethink a rooibos tea. I can't quite get over this color. This is a really funky color on this thing. Yeah, it's like a... Like, I can't quite pin it down. Like, no light is penetrating it. 
like, like at a, all. It has like a glow to it almost. A little bit, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, ha ha, it's almost like it's colored like tea. Yeah. Did I ever tell you my, well, this isn't a very good story, but my tea story in the study room? I don't think so. Okay. Well, freshman year, there was like this study lounge that I went to, and it had tea, and that's where I first had rooibos tea, Mm -hmm. red tea, and it was really good. But I also, like, I just try different tea every time. I'm like, all right, well, I got to hit the books. I might as well get a tea to kind of keep me awake, keep me going. You studied in your freshman year? Jeremy. You don't need to study in freshman year. Well, my freshman year was, like, combination. My undergrad was only two years. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um... And now you're and now you're doing a beer podcast where we talk about Nick Cage being earnest. Yeah, how'd that studying go for you? Really good. And anyway, okay, yeah, you're right. Okay, continue. <laughs> anyway, so I'm like, oh, oh, chamomile. I've never had that before. Oh, That's I'll try good this. stuff. <laughs> it's good stuff for making you go to sleep. <laughs> and I'm like trying pouring over like a uh, organic chemistry book or something like that. I'm like, why am I so tired? Like, I need to, I, just slamming down this tea and progressively getting more and more tired until I fell asleep. Um, slamming to, slamming down chamomile with a nice uh, NyQuil chaser or something like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And so, it wasn't until later I found out that, yeah, chamomile tea is generally a nighttime tea for helping you go to sleep. Sleepy time tea. But anyway, that's where I first had rooibos, too, was that Scotch gotcha. lounge. What do you think of the effervescence, Jeremy? I like it. I like the fizz. I like it too. It's kind of a finer fizziness. It, it very much is. Uh, whereas, like a non-invasive. Yeah, it's it's like we're a stout. Well, maybe not stout, but a uh, a session pale ale. We'll say. Yeah. Would have more of a like you say a fizz to it. Mm-hmm. It's a very kind of low profile. Yeah, it definitely does not have the giant uh, percolator bubbles going on here. Um, it's. Very, very fine bubble, almost, you know, in the uh, nitrogenated aspect, but not quite as creamy. Yeah, I was going to say that. It's almost faux nitrogenated. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I really like this rooibos flavor in it. Yeah, it's not doing the... uh, The bitterness from the tea doesn't do that, like, spray paint thing either that uh, Mm -hmm. some hops can do where it's just kind of oversaturating your IBU receptors or whatever it does. It's it's very much just a... uh, so uh, just an additional flavor that kind of just adds to the uh the profile of it. Yeah. I don't I don't feel it gets in the way. I don't feel that it's uh overwhelming at all, but it also, you know, makes itself known and be like, "Hey man, I'm here. Deal with it." Mhm. And then it puts on some sunglasses. <laughs> so yeah, I sure we I mean, it's very hard to describe. It's got that it it definitely has a little bit of an herbal character to it. Mm-hmm. Like if you've ever just sat like a like a loose leaf tea leaf on your tongue, or if you've pulled that move where you take the tea bag out of the uh, the cup and just sort of like sucked the water out of it. Mm-hmm. Am I the only one who's done that? Um, I've done something my, similar. My, uh, I'm not gonna ask, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but it's let's just say I didn't have water. Vodka? No, I just I kind of put it in my mouth like a packet of tobacco. Oh. <laughs> well, that's not embarrassing. That's oh, not okay. bad. A tea, a tea chaw. I don't know what that means. Uh, I mean, I've done that with coffee. Just kind of put some 
a plug your... of co- a plug in your <laughs> yeah uh... a plug. <laughs> it's basically charred or snuff. It's not snuff because that's you snort snuff. Yeah. It, anyway, like if you've ever done that, you get that that bitter tea flavor. Mm-hmm. But this is not a bitter tea flavor, but it's it still has that distinct leafy quality. Le- leafy is the only way I can describe it. Yeah. And I think that's a good thing, personally. Right, right. Yeah, I just like how it kind of uh, puts the bitterness of a beer and kind of turns that 90 degrees into a different direction. So It um. puts the ooh in rooibos. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome, Michael. You can use that. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think there's... We could go on about it, but I think we might just kind of be spinning in circles. I, I agree. I think we should rate it, though. I think we should. Do you, do you need uh, SOJ, Michael? I do need SOJ. All right, go for it. Dun, 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 dun. I like the beer for its uniqueness. Is it like kind of a reachable flagship type brew that I'd consistently go for over and over again? I don't think so. Oh, Michael. But the... I would. I mean, I'd like to have it multiple times. Yeah, yeah. But the uniqueness of it and the execution of it is so good that I think I got to give it a four, two, five. Wow. Yeah, I really, I, I like it. I thought you were gonna go lower than that. Um, I also am giving it a four point two five. I know it makes for interesting discussion when we both rank things exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Out of twenty possible ratings. Is it 20? 1, 2, 3. Yeah, 20. 21, technically, if we count zero. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If we're going by quarter points, like s- several. There's yeah. there's many ways this could go. But I really like the... Uh, the rooibos is something that I don't know if I would get tired of. Like some sort of... Some of the weirder beers that have like a gimmick, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. Like a this beer has uh, capers in it. Or, <laughs> or, <laughs> ew, ew. <laughs> that's gross. Yeah, but uh, but, I, but, but you know what I mean. That's a good example. Yeah, like our beer has capers in it. We make Mast Brothers chocolate. Here, buy one for fifteen dollars. Yeah, or or you know whatever dumb bogus crap that would go with it. This feels like it has actually been that rooibos flavor has actually been factored into the beer. Rather than a beer built around the uh, the rooibos, right? If there's consideration, yeah, it feels like this is it's just a piece of a whole as opposed to a whole with you know a, a coat of paint slapped on it or yeah, something like I that. See, yeah, I unlike you, I think this definitely is reachable. Maybe I was trying to say it's not refreshing type beer. Uh, okay, it's more of a I don't know. I, Go I, on anyway. I, I think I know where you're going. I feel that this is a six-pack beer. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay. Would I have it in the winter? I don't know. It's unseasonably warm outside these days. (laughs) But uh, I feel that this thing is... It's thick enough that it can stand up to, like, a little bit colder weather. I can only imagine how delicious this is on a nice hot sunny day sitting in the hammock. I'm sure that would be perfect. That would be good, yeah. Whereas a uh, like a Rattler or a or you know something's like we have lemon lime grape or you know film whatever I don't I don't know Shandy those always feel like they're beer with the uh, 
the whatever slapped on it. That's why you see, like, we have our grape shandy, we have our lemon shandy, we have our orange shandy, we have our raspberry shandy, you know. Yeah. Whatever. Whereas, I don't think you could alter this all that much and have the same beer. There's some authenticity. There, There's that, yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the, the rooibos is the beer in this case. I'm sure that if you would take it out, it'd be just a perfectly serviceable wheat beer. But it's it's that mix between the uh, between the tea and the hops that kind of just nails this, and the fact that it's not too sweet, but just sweet enough, kind of hammers it down. Yeah, it's a little enigmatic. Um, it is enigmatic, yeah. But it's good. I guess this one might be hard to procure, but beer with tea may be worth pursuing trying out if you're out there i think this one we have the benefit of having some people who give consideration to this sort of thing rather than it's kind of a mass scale thing but um Mm -hmm. uh, we'll be trying more tea infused beer at some point in the future shortly yes so um maybe we can kind of compare these two and maybe uh this is a little something that will sweep the nation hopefully in a good way hopefully um, I hope so. Beer and tea. I think it works out. Jeremy, why don't you do the social medias, and we'll wrap up the show after that. Sounds good. So you can find us everywhere at APM Pod. You can send us an email with an article, as listener of the show Michelle did, at APMPod at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter under the user handle APMPod. You can find our delightful little YouTube page at APM Pod on YouTube. Uh, I look forward to some Ernest-related shenanigans <laughs> on there, Michael. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Music, Stitcher. Write a review. Five stars, if you please. We'd love it. And, you know, just anywhere you can, uh, just, you can find us on Facebook. Tell a friend. Hey, if you like it, tell a friend. Be like, oh, hey, I know these two dorks. They, uh... They yell about Stephen King and uh, whatever Michael yells about, uh, putting glacial acetic acid on his arm in a fume hood or something <laughs> yeah, like that. Right. Yeah, yeah. Or, or whatever it was you did. I don't know. I wasn't really I got listening. a good whiff of it. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you poor thing. <laughs> but, yeah, just, just hit us up. We like getting uh, lines from people. It's fun. Yeah. If you have ideas for segments, if you like a segment, if you hate a segment... Uh, if you want more of a, want us to try more beers from a certain brewery or more styles of a beer, hit us up. We'll take note. Well, we we, we take note. You know, doesn't mean we're gonna do anything about it, <laughs> but we will listen. That's honesty. That. Yeah, that is honesty. Well, good. That's another one down the gullet, Jeremy. It is another one down the gullet, Michael. So, for Jeremy, I've been Michael. For Michael, I have been Jeremy. And we'll check you next time. This has been American Pale Males. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.